Welcome to the Leader Think Podcast, where we discuss personal growth and concepts for improving organizational culture. This is your host, Philip Grison. As you increase your wisdom, I hope you enlighten others on your path towards greatness. If you want to go further, head over to leaderthink.com. Okay, so first things first, I'm not a psychologist. I do believe and highly recommend that the first step with anxiety is to seek help. There are people who suffer from anxiety that have found relief from seeing a psychologist or psychiatrist, and I always suggest to start there. Some people really do need medication to deal with it. I started with that path, but it just didn't work for me. Medication did not work. I tried it. Two different types, in fact. But neither was effective. In fact, it made it worse. This episode is for those that tried that path and it didn't help them. So in hopes that what helped me helps you, I'm sharing my personal experience with anxiety. It seems like public speaking is where I first noticed it. The rapid heartbeats, the feelings that you are about to pass out or have a heart attack, the perception that the lighting in the room is going dark, all feelings that I used to struggle with as a public speaker. It has come in different forms and different intensities, but I've learned to make friends with it. Making friends with anxiety has completely changed its effect on me. Making friends with it has transformed it from something that used to hurt me into something that serves me. It's difficult to put this into words, but making friends with anxiety is the answer. I first heard that concept from Eckhart Tolle. Another time, I was watching a documentary on anxiety, and a Buddhist monk used the same phrase. It sounds like a catchy phrase, but it took me years to fully understand what they were trying to say. The way I understand it today is that instead of trying to eliminate anxiety from your life— you should learn to use it as a tool that serves you. That is exactly what I've learned to do with it. Anxiety is my superpower. I have a two-year-old at the house. Waking up in the middle of the night can be normal. There have been many times I've only had a few hours of sleep and had to teach a full-day course all by myself. But anxiety has given me unlimited power to deliver a high-energy performance even when my physical body is lacking sleep and should be tired. It's normal for me to teach a session while everyone else is taking turns going to the bathroom at break time. I'm still in the room answering questions and giving my full attention to the students. Anxiety has shut down my digestive system and freed me from the need to go to the bathroom. Anxiety helps me have a laser-focused awareness of what is going on in the room, the behaviors and emotions of the students, the dynamics of the class, the expressions on their faces. Anxiety has helped me give deep attention to the person speaking to me. I can look at them directly in their eyes instead of being distracted by feelings or phones or other things when the moment matters most, when the conversation is about something deep and personally important. 
Anxiety is my superpower because I have learned to make friends with it. Marie Forleo gives a great example of this in her book, Everything is Figureoutable. She tells a story of how an interviewer asked Bruce Springsteen how he prepares for a performance. He replied with this, The first thing that happens is my heart starts to beat faster. Then my hands begin to sweat and become clammy. The next thing that happens is I feel a big knot forming in my stomach. It's in that moment that I know I'm ready. What some would call a panic attack is viewed in Bruce's mind as a state of readiness. What the world tells us is bad is how he knows he is ready to deliver an incredible performance. He made friends with anxiety. He uses it as a superpower that serves him. There's a great article by Miles Neal on anxiety.org about mindfulness meditation that makes the following statement. Commonly, when people feel pleasure, they react with addictive clinging. On the other hand, when they feel pain, they react with various forms of aversion. Eckhart Tolle says, go deeply into your pain and it will automatically diminish. Both statements point to the same concept. Acceptance of anything unpleasant lessens its effect on you. Resistance makes it stronger. When I was unaware of this concept, I would hide behind the lectern when teaching classes or move away from the crowd whenever I felt anxiety. Some days, I'd even sit down in a chair. But these days, I walk toward the crowd if I ever feel anxious. As odd as this may sound, walking toward the crowd always makes me feel better. It's the depth behind the old face your fears lesson. If I walk away from the crowd, the anxiety is controlling me. If I walk toward them, I am using anxiety for my purpose. When you try to run away from something that exists inside your own head, you will never escape. You will be unsuccessful. And since you can't run from it, you can actually give the anxiety the power Because the more you run and never escape, the more worn down and tired you become. The anxiety can become much more intense. You are becoming weaker as you run, but it has unlimited energy. The anxiety is controlling you. When you walk into anxiety or towards the crowd, you are the one controlling the anxiety. You are telling it that it is your friend. You are using it for your advantage, for your purpose. The fear goes away because you are walking with it and into it. It's part of you, but it is not controlling you. This brings up the importance of controlling thought. Control your thoughts or your thoughts will control you. This concept is one that few are aware of. Many people on this planet react to the thoughts they have. Few understand that they can choose a new thought if they don't like the one they are currently having or if it is not serving them well. Thought is a choice if you are aware. It is on autopilot if you are not. 
All the great life coaches in this world spend a tremendous amount of time communicating this. Wayne Dyer, Eckhart Tolle, Tony Robbins, Brooke Castillo, Gabriella Bernstein, Michael Singer, Byron Katie, all of them are teaching the importance of learning to choose your thoughts instead of reacting to them. If I have an autopilot thought during a moment of anxiety like, I feel like I'm about to pass out, then the thought is controlling me. But I have the power to purposely choose a different thought that will serve me. Here are a couple of thoughts that I've chosen to think to make anxiety my superpower. Thank you, God, for my anxiety today. This is a natural Red Bull that will give me the energy I need for a high-level performance. There you are, anxiety. Thanks for reminding me that I am ready. I encourage you to write down some thoughts that you could choose to think whenever anxiety presents itself. They can be notes on your phone that you can go to right before your performance or whenever you need to rely on them. The act of first writing them down helps commit them to your memory. Having them available on your phone can be a great reminder if you forget. Over time, they will become natural, habitual. But make sure to change them up often so they stay fresh. And now I'm going to get really deep. So light some insets and get your meditation pillow out because it's going to get a little weird now. And I'm not kidding. But this is the part that helped me the most, more than anything. So give it a chance and see if there's anything valuable for you here. I've discussed before two major parts of your brain, the limbic brain and the prefrontal cortex. The limbic brain, or the fast brain as some people call it, is that emotional, judgmental caveman brain that's usually on autopilot. It is always looking for threats to judge and escape from. This is where anxiety thrives. Anxiety is fear. So of course it comes from this limbic part of your brain. The prefrontal cortex or slow brain is the more intelligent planning part of your brain that can take these concepts I've presented you with already today and process them, analyze them, and decide is there some truth here? I like to picture a little Albert Einstein living inside my brain that is my prefrontal cortex. It's the more enlightened part of my brain. As you become aware of these two distinct forces going on in your brain, you start to notice which part is in control when you notice your thoughts. But here's the weird part. Who is it that notices when you are running on fast brain or on slow brain? It is so difficult to put this into words that many books have been written about it, and still it's a hard subject to explain or digest. Names for this part of you that is aware of these different forms of thinking are the soul, consciousness, awareness, or even enlightenment. Some call it practicing presence. This understanding of this unbiased observer within me that can be fully present is what actually helped me more than anything on my journey with anxiety. If you want to dive really deep into this part, I recommend The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. 
The entire book is dedicated to this subject. So is his book, A New Earth. But if Eckhart is a little too out there for you, then I suggest The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. Michael's book seems to be more easily digested by people who shy away from deep spiritual teachings and need more Western-type philosophy to get the concepts. But if you are a spiritual person, Eckhart Tolle might be a good fit. So back to consciousness. By having a deep understanding that I am not my limbic brain or my prefrontal cortex, the real me is that unnameable part of me that is aware of those two distinct parts of my brain. I've learned to separate myself from them. I am not my brain. My brain had a birth and will have a death. I am the soul that is aware of how my brain acts or reacts. But that brain is more like a rental car that I've checked out to drive through life and I will also turn it back in one day. That separation I speak of makes my anxiety diminish. It's not the real me. It's just some challenge I have with my rental car that I've borrowed. It's like my rental car could use a wheel alignment, but it's not the driver that has the problem. It's the car that has the issue. All I need to do is accept and adapt to that issue. So you may be wondering, how does someone actually do this? One way to explain it is to not attach yourself to any thought you have. See your thoughts as a leaf blowing in the wind. They come, they pass, but they are never deeply attached to you. Thoughts fly right by us like the wind. Let them fly on by. Don't hold on to any of them. One way I practice this can seem like meditation, but I do it with my eyes wide open. I like to sit somewhere and as much as possible try to not think at all. Thought is automatic, though. It will happen without even trying to put effort into it. To move away from thinking, I focus with all I am on everything that is happening in the present moment. Here's a clear example of how to do this. I go out into my backyard and sit in a chair. I first focus on breathing. I pay deep attention to the air coming into my body and how it is filling up my lungs. I then focus on feeling my hands and fingers. With your arms at rest, can you feel that your hands and fingers are there without touching them or even looking at them? When I do this, I feel a tingling feeling in my hands. I know they are there. I feel them, but I'm not touching them. I'm not looking at them. From there, I navigate to noticing the present that is outside of me. A common practice I do is to listen for the furthest noise I can hear. In my backyard, it usually goes like this. First, I hear the water in the creek flowing. Then I notice a squirrel running up a tree. I hear a bird chirping. Then I hear the faint sound of a dog barking far off in the distance. Below that, I hear the rumble of the next train coming. And even further below that, I hear the white noise of the cars on the interstate miles away. Have I lost you yet? It's okay if I have. 
Like I said, it's going to get a little weird in here. But as weird as it sounds, this practice has helped me learn to separate myself from my mortal brain. It has helped me to separate myself from the anxiety that lives in my limbic caveman brain. I am not my limbic brain. I am the one who observes when my limbic brain is trying to be in control. I've taken this practice from something I would do when I have time in my backyard to something I practice on a noisy airplane or for brief seconds in a classroom while I'm standing there in front of everyone. I have to say it again. It works for me. It has transformed me. It is something that I wish I could bottle up and give to everyone on this planet for free. It is what Buddhists speak of. It is what some people think that Christ meant when he told us, consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. So if this is something that you are truly invested in, then check out the books I've referenced, because Tolle and Singer are masters at explaining and practicing these concepts. But for now, let's cover a few easy-to-digest concepts, like how to put your body into a state of calm. This tip comes from Own Your Anxiety by Julian Brass. If you know you're about to perform... Or if you feel anxiety creeping up, try this. Focus on nose-to-belly breathing. Breathe in through your nose and into your belly. This puts your body in a calming state. If you think about the opposite form of breathing, mouth-to-chest, that method is putting you in a fight, flight, or freeze state. The last thing you want to do is tell your body it's time to run like heck, freeze in place, or yell at someone. Follow it up with a smile, and it has to be a big smile, a smile where your lips don't touch, a smile that you can feel in the creases of your eyes. This type of smile will give you a shot of dopamine and increase your calmness. Another technique is to spell words backwards in your mind, like enlightenment, forgiveness, meditation, or any word that relates to this overall concept. When you spell a word backwards, it takes you away from the limbic brain where fear or anxiety reside. It forces you to use your prefrontal cortex, which is less fearful. The weird thing is, is you can actually become highly efficient at spelling words backwards, so you have to change it up all the time. If you find yourself spelling words backwards quickly, then you know it's time to come up with a new word. I change up the words all the time. I have to do it, or it just doesn't work. And so the last thought I want to leave you with is how anxiety is directly related to success. Many of the most successful public performers in this world experience anxiety. Many teachers, singers, musicians, actors, and even news anchors all deal with it. The difference is that they have made friends with it. They own it. They use it as a force that serves them. If you experience anxiety, you are not flawed or broken. 
In fact, you've been given an extraordinary gift that will ensure you have unlimited energy and never are perceived as boring. So own it, make friends with it, and you just might find that anxiety is your superpower. If you learned something valuable today, please share it with others. For more information, head over to leaderthink.com.